todo el mundo. Pero eso fue realmente... Welcome to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the documentary, The Ventures, Stars on Guitars. This is your destination for all things rock, where the interviewees include musicians, authors, historians, filmmakers, and more. And now, on to the show. Pamela DeBar is a proud rock and roll groupie, plus she is an accomplished writer, musician, and rock on tour. She's probably best known for her 1987 memoir, I'm With the Band, Confessions of a Groupie, which details her experiences in the L.A. music scene of the 1960s and 70s when she frolicked with the likes of Mick Jagger, Jim Morrison, Keith Moon, and Jimmy Page, to name a few. She's written several more books since then and has expanded her brand into giving tours of vintage L.A., as well as doing one-woman shows on stage and giving classes on how to write the best possible memoir. She's got some cool stuff coming up, which I can't wait to find out more about, so let's get her on the line. Welcome to the show, Miss Pamela. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm so thrilled to talk to you because I've been a big fan of yours for many years. I still have my first edition hardcover of I'm With The Band signed to me. Um, Yes, I was so excited to get that. And I've read it several times. Um, And I'm wondering what motivated you to share those stories in the first place? And at that time, what, what made you feel like this is the time to start sharing my stories? I... I kept diaries from the age of eight because my mom got me a diary for Christmas and I felt obligated to write in it. And uh, it turned out to be a dear friend. You know, I could talk to my diary when I couldn't tell other people certain things. (laughs) So it just became an appendage, really. I carried it everywhere. And when I entered that world in the mid 60s, the rock and roll world uh, in Hollywood, I knew that it would be memorable. I knew that this time frame would be talked about forever, musically, socially, sexually, you know, spiritually, every kind of way. So I just wrote more. I, I kept copious diaries. So it really helped me write the first book. I have, I'm writing my seventh book. Just finished the sixth. Yeah. 
well, you know, anything that's sexual can bring about really different rising responses from readers. And even those who haven't read the book, people have an opinion on things they haven't read all the time. Uh, So like, what was the differences in the reception to your memoirs between then and now? Because the 80s was a different climate to what it is now. And um, with younger readers discovering your book, can you talk a little bit about the difference uh, in reception? Well, there's really, there's always naysayers. So that hasn't changed. I'm in my 70s now. Uh, I've had an amazing life and I still get called a slut. So it's uh, then by people who haven't read it, usually like 99% uh, are people who haven't read the book. And they just hear my name. My name for some people is synonymous with, you know, loose, a loose woman, right? Just because I wrote about the sex and there wasn't all that much. See, that's, that's the thing. Uh, compared to my friends at the time, people I knew, I was getting laid way less often. I was I was just really... I wanted to be in love with the person or at least, you know, love them. You know, there, there were some times in my rock where I knew I wasn't going to marry Mick Jagger or Keith Moon, for instance, but I adored them and I wanted to spend time with them and nothing's wrong with it. You know, that's the thing. People are still so uptight in this country about sexuality, especially in this country. It's been published all over the world in many different countries and I don't get the same kind of uptight response about the sex in in other countries oh interesting yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. my mom wrote a memoir somewhat like yours uh and she came up around the same time that you did she was a pinup model and she was in the hollywood uh you know world where she slept with a few actors including errol flynn of course and people like that yeah but you see some of the reviews on amazon and people are extremely uptight about these things still so i I, you know, I'm I'm sorry that you have to go through that, but I imagine I you've certainly gotten a thick skin by now. Uh, I'm very sensitive to it. I try not, uh, you know, if if they come to me at me on social media, I will just say my piece and then block them, yeah. so I don't have to interact. Right. But I do feel like I need to say my piece. Have you read my books? I, this is my, you know, I have seven books. This was just the first one, and. You know, it was a different era, blah, blah, blah. And then I blocked the person. And the, <laughs> yeah. the, most, the most hurtful thing is when it's a woman. And it that's about half the time. I mean, that's... Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Rigid. Well. That's what I say. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I loved your book. And I know you have a lot of fans out there who love your books and they love you. Um, I do. You really have more of that than the other way. Yes. There's a lot of positivity surrounding you, which I love to see on your social media, too. I'm a follower as well. Um, So as a chronicler and participant in the rock and roll scene um, back then, like how did you you know, when it came time for you to publish. Now, how did you balance the fine line between personal storytelling? Of course, you want to get people to relate to you and know you as a person, so you have to give a lot of details, but then also respecting the privacy of the people who are involved in your memoirs. Those people are public figures. The only people I worried about were, you know, I I was concerned about Bobby Martini, my first boyfriend, you know, people who aren't public figures, although he sort of became one. (laughs) He became an actor for a while. But, uh, yeah, I I didn't I I didn't concern myself with that much because I don't have 
unlike some of the memoirs people have written about celebrities, I have no horrible issues with any of them. Right. You know, they yeah, were all positive, pretty, pretty much. much good to me. You know, they broke my heart. Well, Jimmy Page and, and Hillman, Chris Hillman. Those two people broke my heart. But, you know, it's no different than anyone else getting their heart broken, except, you know, it was, it was a little more intense because you turn on the radio and you'd have to turn it back off if they were on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's everyone gets their hearts broken. So that's really the only that there was one semi-negative thing that I wrote about Jimmy Page that I kind of wish I hadn't because it caused him to be upset um, for a while there. I talked about how he, at one point, long after we were broken up, because I spent a lot of time with Robert Plant in, in, in the years after, just friends. And uh, so I wrote about how he crawled across the floor at one point to get to the, the drug bag. Well, I think a lot of people did that back then, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It wasn't that <laughs> terrible, right? But he didn't like that. He's a very private person. But, right. you know, other than that, there's really nothing negative in there. And when, when, when the book was about to come out, Don Johnson was a huge celebrity. And I remember my agent saying, who's Don Johnson? We, can we just take him out of the book? And musician. <laughs> First of all, he is a musician. But I said... Uh, no, he was a true love of mine. He's not coming out of the book. And then when it came out, of course, Miami Vice was huge. So and 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 the one line about him, which I just copied right out of my diary, was huge cock, right? Right. I know. That's what I, when you were saying huge earlier, I'm like, I, I remember know. that. <laughs> hey, that's a great thing. I mean, you I know. know. Like, well, he wasn't upset about that. Believe <laughs> me. But, uh, um, it, you know, I got a lot of attention. Because people are just so sex weird. Yeah. Um, and, and he, you know, he and I, I just got a great text from him today. I'm still really close with a lot of these people I spent time with, especially my ex-husband. We're like brother and sister now. Yes, and I love to see that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I really enjoyed his documentary as well. Michael, oh, Michael Starr's so documentary. Yes, it is. It's on um, Amazon if anybody. Yes, I watched it uh, just recently again, and it's still Good. free to Amazon subscribers. So if you're on there, watch it. What's it called again? Who do you want me to be? Yes. Which is a line from his song Obsession. Yeah, I had uh, Holly Knight on this podcast fairly recently, too, and she was talking about that song. Yeah, such good, a great, good. great era for music. In our digital age, speaking of eras, like where storytelling takes on various forms, um, including social media and podcasts, um, how do you see the role of memoirs and personal narratives taking off? I mean, we do know so much about everybody now. <laughs> Probably too much. Uh, I... I believe I'm one of the first nobodies in quotes to write a memoir and have it be such a big success. It was on the bestseller list for three months and it's in print after all these years. It's yeah. in print. So it was a huge success and still is actually people keep rediscovering me. I think I helped open the door for in quotes, nobodies to write their memoirs. I'm, I'm really proud of that, but I now hold women's writing workshops and I have for 25 years now. And that's the most important thing I do is to have women open up about their lives a lot just for themselves. Uh, most of them don't plan on getting published. Some do. Um, but I've been teaching this all over the world for all these years. And my last book, Let It Bleed, How to Write a Rock and Memoir, 
is uh, about those classes and, you know, helps women express themselves for themselves. That's what I've noticed in class the most is there, they surprise themselves every time. Where did that come from? I can't believe I remembered that, you know, because of the prompts I give. So that's, that's what I do a lot. A lot of my time is spent on these workshops. I have them on Zoom and I have them in person at my house and I have them all over the country too. And sometimes London, I just got back from there in December where I taught there and Toronto too. So it's, I, I like to say the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Well, as I was searching through Amazon to see if I had missed anything by you, a book did pop up that was called Love Him Madly about Jim Morrison by Judy Huddleston. And it said, mm -hmm. and Pamela DeBar, but actually you had written just no. the foreword. Yes. Yes. No. But I did hear that you had been hired to help um, Tom Petty's ex-wife, Dane, write her memoir. But I don't know if that ever came about. I mean, have you actually ghostwritten or have you co-written? This is my first. It's not ghostwritten. My name is going to be on the book. Um, but it's her story. It's her 25 years with Tom. A lot of stuff people certainly don't know about him. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, mostly positive. I mean, mostly positive. No, no. She's, she, it's really surprising because she's been so under the radar all, all of her life, even with him. Um, and she wanted it that way, but she wanted her story told. So it took me four years to get it all, all of it out of her. But uh, yeah, supposed to. That come is out. so who exciting. Knows when it's Harper Collins, and my editor is doing Cher's book. So we don't know when we might be up next. You know, in 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 the line. <laughs> uh huh. So it's all ready to go, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yay! We're sorting through the thousands of photographs of course that no one's ever seen wow yeah i absolutely love memoirs by rock women i have a huge collection mm. of them yes so yeah. i'm definitely that one's on my radar and i'll be reading it have you read mercy's book yes i sure did i loved it eight yeah yeah Lindsay, um, my friend Lindsay did such a good job she did that story out of mercy oh my and God. how she was able to write you know in her voice she did yes, such she did. a great job did a fantastic job. absolutely yes, yes permanent damage for anybody who hasn't read it yet it's same same as the title of our the gto's album yeah, it's fantastic. And even if, you know, you're not into, well, why would you be listening to this podcast if you're not into rock music? But I just think yeah. it's a great book about a person, you know, it's just such a fantastic story. So that is definitely it is. one that I recommend as well. Um, yeah. So um, are there other specific authors or memoirists who influenced your writing styles or your storytelling techniques? I mean, I think of Anais Nin is probably one of the most famous memoirists. Yes, I, I really love her work, but my two uh, most important influences uh, as writers are Kerouac and Henry Miller. Those are my, those are my people that I relate to their writing style more than anyone else. And uh, they they really, for those of you who haven't read either of those people out there, Tropic Cancer, Tropic Capricorn on the Road, Dharma Bums, these are the greatest books ever written in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. When you were first crafting your book, did you have a mentor or someone that you looked up to to guide you? Or was it something that you were able to tackle on your own? No, I just wrote it all by myself and it really very, very little editing. 
uh, I did an interview with Stephen Davis for Hammer of the Gods. And he really helped me because after the interview, he said, you should be writing your own book about, about these stories. And I am in Hammer of the Gods and some of the other Zeppelin books and some Stones books and everything. But he really did inspire me to sit. My dad got me a little red typewriter and I sat at it. This is before the internet, people. And I started writing it. And at the same time, I was going to a workshop. I went to a lot of writing workshops uh, and I do it in between, you know, just to stay fresh and stuff. So I was in this writing workshop and I wrote about meeting the stones for the first time when I was just a kid in high school. And the teacher said, you should be writing this book. So that all happened simultaneously. And that's sort of how, how I got actually started writing. Haven't you also written for music magazines and women's magazines? And you've um, also... Yeah. Tons of them. Those days are long over, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. No I more used, magazines. Yeah. I used to get $2,500 to $5,000 an article for those. And, you know, 80s. And mm -hmm. that, you know, that was extravagant. And I really enjoyed it. But I also did a column for Please Kill Me. Uh, where I'm really proud of that writing. I'm, uh, I'm eventually going to put a little book out, release it myself of all those uh, stories, because they're all about me. They're all memoir related. Oh, that's great. You can find them online, but I it, I enhanced and enlarged the stories in the book. I mean, I much more detail. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I like to just get things in a compilation rather than having to read individual <laughs> articles online. So that's good to know. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Well, you mentioned your instructional book, Let It Bleed, How to Write a Rockin' Memoir, and that you're teaching classes and combining. Now, are these kind of like, they're not really a, a standard writing class, right? It's kind of like a no. one-woman show with your, you know, all oh, of your no, visual no, that, aids. That's, no, that's a whole separate thing. Okay, my writing, got it. No, my writing workshops are all about writing, but it's not your typical. It's more like a coven. People, people <laughs> do I have... <clears throat> Some of my writers in L.A. have been coming for 14, 15 years without stopping. And then I have other people dropping in and out. Uh, but I teach in, uh, Sunday in L.A. every every Sunday when I'm in town. And I travel all over, all over like I said, teaching these workshops. But it is all about writing. And, and it is a, about expression and all that. The other things you're talking about are my one-woman shows that I've been doing. And that's uh, my next one. I sold out the whiskey. It was so great. It was so incredible to be on stage where I saw all these incredible, I mean, you can't believe who I saw there playing on that small stage, Zeppelin, The Who. I mean, no, it's, it's it, 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 the doors nonstop. Everybody played there, Hendrix, you know? And so I'm up on that stage telling my story and it felt so incredible. I sold it out, which isn't because people want to hear about that era someone who was there, someone who's still around, who <laughs> yeah. can talk about it. And so I'm doing it again on March 17th. That is the uh, full experience. And I know that our mutual friend, uh, Mitchell Schneider from SROPR is handling that wonderful event. Now, yeah. um, how can people get tickets to that? And what, you know, what's the, the story about that? It's whiskeyagogo.com or TicketWeb dot com and it's selling pretty swiftly so okay so yeah everybody should get their tickets and they you know you pay a lot for a booth or, or a little more for a table but the regular just seats are only forty dollars oh that's a good deal yeah yeah and uh 
I just, I'm so excited. I found out that Exene got a, a booth. Yeah. So I'm a fan of hers and theirs. I'm, you know, I've always had a crush on John Doe. But who doesn't? Uh, yeah, and- that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I used so, to yeah, uh, So, yeah, please come to that show. I mean, I would just love that. And my website, Pamela DeBar Official, has all kinds of stuff that I Okay, so people can click on links to go there. All right, well, just a couple more questions. Um, What are some of your personal favorite rock autobiographies that you've read? To be perfectly honest, I stopped reading rock autobiographies when I started writing. Hmm. Don't know why. I don't read them. I don't. But yesterday, uh, I got the Peter Goralnik's uh, book on Sam Cooke because Sam Cooke is it. And I've read his Elvis. That's true. I've read his Elvis books um, because I, I know for sure having known a lot of these people and, and you know, that a lot is left out and, uh, but, but I just stopped. I don't know why, but I am going to read the Goralnik Sam Cooke book because I'm a huge Sam Cooke fan. He's, he's right at the top of my list with Dion, Elvis and Dylan. Such an amazing story, too, and oh, so tragic. Oh, so tragic. Jeez. I, I'm, in my third book, Rock Bottom, I researched that story very intently, and it, it is a just a tragic story. He was an uppity N-word, you know. That's why he was killed. It has nothing to do with anything else. Hmm, he was yeah. murdered for that. So yeah. many conspiracy theories. Yeah. He, he had his own label. That was, that was, was unheard of, right, back then? what a singer yeah well that's good to know that that book is coming out well Mm -hmm. it's time for my parting question what is your own personal rock and roll nightmare well it's a it's a dream and a nightmare and I'll tell you why Led Zeppelin had a huge party they always rented out the sixth floor the entire sixth floor and they were going to have a party and it became kind of a notorious party later this was probably 70 one or two seventy one uh i was hanging out with robert quite a bit in those days and that was the night they all dressed in drag very notorious i have seen the photos okay that was that night and i had just learned how to read palms and i was i was reading palms at the renaissance fair and uh and i and oh god they were rolling in crates of dom perignon and i'd never had champagne before and I didn't know how much I could drink of it. And so I didn't stop. I drank all night, all those bottles. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't know. And I was really feeling good. So I started reading people's palms. The only one I actually remember is Stevie Wonder. I sat down next to him and started reading his palm. And he was amazed. He said, how do you, how do you know all this stuff? I said, I see it in your hand. It was, you know, I was just gone. Okay. Then the next thing I remember after reading Stevie's palm, seeing the boys walking in full drag was waking up in my bed the next day. I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I got home. I don't know who brought me home. I don't know if anyone took advantage of me. I don't know, but I have never been sicker in my life. Oh no. Yeah. I didn't think, I mean, I couldn't raise my head off the pillow for many, many hours. It's, it's, I could have probably died of champagne overdose that night. <laughs> Good thing oh. you were young and resilient. Yes. Oh God. It took days to get over that. 
Oh, man. And I still don't know how I got home. Huh. Well, that's a mystery. A rock and roll nightmare mystery. <laughs> I wish somebody could tell me how I got home. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. well, thank you so much, Miss Pamela. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And I thank am excited you. about all the things that you have coming up that we'll all be able to enjoy. Well, thank you so much, honey. I really appreciate it. Before I go, I just want to let you all know that there are two brand new rock and roll nightmares books out. The first one, which is book eight in the series, is called Parallel Lines, and it's a speculative fiction multi-author collection that answers questions like, what if Led Zeppelin had never released Stairway to Heaven? What if the Manson family were not Beatles fans? What if Rob Halford had come out 10 years earlier? The other book is a fully illustrated edition of my short rock-related stories. It's a mix of fan favorites and has three brand new tales that are set in a haunted record store, on a cursed island, and on America's most bloody byways. That's it for now, but do stay tuned for volume 10 in the Rock and Roll Nightmare series, a nonfiction book called Blood on the Tracks. This concludes another episode of the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. Remember, there's a book series too. All the books are available in paperback, ebook, and audio via Amazon or the Rock and Roll Nightmares website. That's R O C K N R O L L Nightmares.com. Our official theme song is She's Out for Blood by Fuzzbuster, founded by Lars Cabot. Thank you for listening.